you're here today. Wow. Tell you, if you got your Bibles, I'd like you to open to the Gospel of Luke. I want to sit, if everybody can see me, I want to sit this morning because this, ser- this sermon is, is one of Jesus' very serious statements that he makes. And I just don't want to move it around. I want to get to it. But uh, Gospel of Luke, the eighth chapter is where we're at. If you've got the New Testament, you can turn to page 57. Let me encourage you to bring a Bible. I say this on a regular basis so that you can take your message map later and the blanks you fill out and, and, and you can look again at the Scripture and this can be meaningful. Look, the power of God does not flow, in a sense, through Mike Davis's knowledge, Mike Davis's intellect. The power of God flows through God's Word. His Word is the power. Okay? If you watch that video with that cat and that snake... That snake had a hold of that cat. That cat did not have a hold of that snake at the end. And that cat was running for dear life. I'm telling you, we play around, we play around in this life with a snake called Satan. And he gets a hold of us. And you and I are not strong enough. We are not strong enough to defeat him. But he can't even stand against God's word. And God's Word is the power that helps us. And so I encourage you. And if you don't have a Bible, pick up one of those New Testaments and just carry it throughout this. I mean, you're going to probably carry it for another year because Luke's going to take that long. Every time I read this, I think, I'm going to hurry along. It's like today. (laughs) What I'm going to talk to you about, I think people read it and they just go buy it. What's that mean? It doesn't have any impact. And I don't know any way to do it quickly. I really do not. I never intended to take this long on Luke. I thought I'd hit a chapter, half a chapter, and things like that. There's just too much rich information in regard to Jesus and what he's saying. Okay? And the important thing about Luke is, this is a guy writing a story within three decades, within 30 years of the event surrounding Jesus. That's unheard of. Listen to me. Listen to me. Now, you're trusting me in this. You don't know. But you, you are a dose. You can check it out. That's unheard of in human history in regards to events and characters of antiquity. To have something written within 30 years. Look, I want to get up and, and walk around and talk about that. It's unheard of. It's unheard of. And yet we've got written testimony of Jesus within 30 to 60 years of him living on this earth. And there's still people today who so they think he's a myth. And so Luke is just telling us things that he has discovered. And I used him. I love the book of John. I always tell people, read John to meet the character of Jesus. Because, man, you meet a wonderful, powerful individual. But Luke is doing like you and I. He's heard about Jesus. His friends have heard about Jesus. And he wants to check out. He wants to find out, is this true? And Luke is not just anybody's fool. Luke is a man of science. Luke is a doctor. He's a physician. Luke is a man who has trained. Luke is a man that has to think things through. And when Luke is talking about this, you can be sure he's asking the people, now, now explain that. You know, you know, I like to know the details, especially any of the healings that's taken place. 
And so I just want us to look closely. But before we get into that, let me share that today, if you've got your message map, your handout, there's an article on First Step. We've got First Step today. If you're interested in First Step, you need to tell me. Okay? We've got some folks coming. They're going to meet at my house. It's going to be at 1 o'clock, be done by 3.30, maybe a little bit earlier. It's an opportunity for people to ask questions about connection. I'm going to explain connection. I'm going to explain about the relationship with Jesus Christ because we want to make sure anybody who wants to affiliate with, uh, with connection understands that. I'm going to talk about the relationship with the culture around us because I'm going to tell you that's what makes connection different. It does. Everything we do. Okay? Guy Baker this morning was talking about as the culture changes, connection changes. And yet we do not forget the message of Jesus Christ. Okay? And so I'm going to talk about relationship culture and I'm going to talk about relationship with one another and how connection functions as a body. And, and, and if you've ever thought you'd like to know more about connection, then what you need to do is run and get a hamburger. I leave here about 12, 30, 20 till 1. I'll get out of here. I'll get home just in time. I'll put a sandwich down my throat. Half a sandwich, I just get enough energy, and then I'm ready to go at 1 o'clock. And you can bring your drink, you can bring whatever you want to bring, but you got just a little bit, and then just come. But let me know, because I set out booklets, and I want to be sure I have all the workbooks out, so when people come, I don't have to go get them more. So if you want to come, you just let me know after worship. We'd be glad for you to come. Don't mind those last-minute folks who decide today. Let me also say, in here there is information on next Saturday. We're going to do a... Community loving activity, okay? It's the gas discount. This is one of our best relationships in, in touching so many people in the community. You see, a missional church, what is the difference between a missional church and a traditional church? Traditional church, one of the main things, is a traditional church lets a few people do everything. In a missional church, you try to get the people who come to get involved with the people who do not have any kind of relationship with Jesus. Missional means we are like missionaries going out into this world. And some of us, that's strange. Here's a good opportunity, if you read that article, to get involved, to help, do missional activity. We need about 40 individuals, okay? 40 individuals. We're going to pump gas. You can see. You can read that article. We're going to be at Jumping Jimmy's. Okay, you can see the time. You can park in the business behind. That's a, a, an optometrist or an eye clinic. They're closed on the, the weekend we're doing it. They're only open two weekends, two Saturdays a month. It's not that time, so we can park there, okay? Dress appropriately for whatever the weather is. But come and help us. I think you'll enjoy it, okay? You don't need to know a lot. You just got to be able either to follow somebody's example or listen to instruction. Come early enough. If you come right at 10 o'clock when we start, the instruction's already going to be given, so come a little bit early, learn about that. But you can read about that. That's in there, okay? That's in there. Now, I use that last video because that man says, he, he closed that video, and, 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 and that's a foreign video, okay? But he is talking to the people where he's from, and he says... It is why you do what you do that defines who you are. Now think about that. It is why you do what you do that defines who you are. Because we live in a country that offers us a, a great many opportunities, alternatives for our time, for our energy. And that man was just trying to come across with why you do what you do defines who you are. Now last week, 
in that sermon, I told you that Jesus was indicating, well, I'll tell you what, take your message map, turn to the sermon page where the notes are. Look at the first blank. That's what I told you Jesus was indicating last week. Okay? And we were in the 8th chapter, but look on your message map, fill in that blank. From our identity is to come our activity in life. We do not do activity so that God would love us. We do activity because God has loved us. Who we are determines what we do. You see, it's, it's our identity that determines our activity. You and I will do activity. I'm going to tell you, your, I, your activity often, often is Done because of your identity. Even when you do something you don't want to do, you do it because you want the person, maybe you're doing it for, to not think you're a bad person. One of the hard parts I have in ministry, I'll allude to it, probably in today's sermon and then in the next few sermons, because we're going to see it in Jesus' life. One of the hardest things I have to do in ministry is not help people. Because sometimes people have to learn to help themselves, and sometimes I'm not the lackey who does everything for people. And sometimes, there's two tasks that need to be done, and you have to decide what task you're going to do. And if you don't have identity, listen, and you're full of inferiority, and I can identify that, I'm the spoiled baby, 12 living children. You end up trying to please everybody, and then you're caught up in codependency, and boy, that issue will cause you to get drunk. You think I'm kidding? That issue caused you to become a, 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 a liar. Become codependent. That issue will cause you not to be able to stay in relationships. You see, you've got to decide who you are. And that decides your activity. That's what we got out of last week's sermon. Okay? Now, what Jesus tells us sometimes, we do not want to hear. We do not like to hear what he has to say. We're sort of like little children, even though we may be in our decades of 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. We are sort of like little children. We want to do what we want to do, and we don't want to hear somebody else tell us what we ought to do. Okay? And that's called rebellion. And we often identify that, listen, with adolescents and young single adults. But man, I'm telling you, where do they learn that from? They watch mom rebel against dad, dad rebel against mom. I don't have to do what you say. I'm going to do what I want to do. They watch us do that in regard of our criticism with the people at work. I don't have to do what they say I want to do, what they want me to do. I want to do what I'm going to do. I'm going to do what I want to do. They see that. You know what? We put our school system down. We put our government down. And so they just grow up. And one day, listen, if we don't teach them respect authority... Even when you disagree, they're going to disrespect mom's authority and dad's authority. See, we're like little children. We don't want to do what we don't want to do. We want to do what we want to do. And Jesus is here. He is. Listen, God. He is the second person the Bible teaches. He's the second person of the Godhead. The Father's the first person. Jesus' second person. The Holy Spirit's the third person. They all are equal according to the Scriptures. 
But the Bible gives us indications about each one of them. And the second person of the Trinity, Jesus, the second person God had stepped out and came to earth to speak to us because humans mess it up. Humans ends up taking what God says and make it into a lot of traditions and rules. And Jesus comes and he lives out God's teachings before the people. Okay? And what he's going to tell us today, we may not want to hear. It may upset us. But it is what he says. And I will grant you, if you've read Luke, and you had a chance to read it now through almost four times, but you probably missed some days, so maybe you've got through it two times if you put all those missed days together. And I'm going to tell you, the more you read it, the more familiar you're going to be. Start the first day of the month. Read chapter 1. Or as far as you can. Second day, don't catch up. Just read chapter 2. Today's the 23rd day. This morning I read chapter 23. Tomorrow read chapter 24 and then take a break if you want. But you'll become acquainted with what he says because you're reading it over and over and over again. And I told you we'd probably be seven or eight months. Listen, we're probably going to be 17, 18 months. Think how many times you get to read Luke. See? And you're going to read it. When you read this part next month in chapter 8, if you remember the sermon, you're going to see it different when you read it. And it's going to fit in with things. Okay? So let's look. Luke chapter 8, verse 19. We stopped at verse 18 last week. I told you Jesus is teaching. He's getting in. I told you a few chapters or a few sermons ago. He's, he's, he's starting to get very personal with the people who are followers of him. People are hanging out with him. So look what he says in verse 19. Then Jesus, or look what Luke tells us. Then Jesus' mother and brother came to see him. Okay? Now, now let me stop. I've got to say this because some of you come out of a background, a religious background, that teaches you something different. Now please, you read on. You're going to miss what I said. This, this is golden. Okay? This is worth giving money for. Well, thank you. I got one laugh. Okay? It's not as some Christian groups teach that Mary never had any children. That Jesus, other than Jesus. Jesus was the only one. People want to make Mary out to be some kind of spiritual being. Luke is telling us that Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him. If we took time to look into Mark, Mark 6, 3 tells us Jesus had sisters. Okay? People will try to explain that away. But you can't get into Greek and explain it away. Brothers are earthly brothers. Sisters are earthly sisters. They're siblings. They come out of mom. Okay? And so Jesus had brothers and sisters. Now, why is that important to us today? Because you see, sometimes when somebody uses Jesus as an example for us, we want to say, I'm not Jesus. <laughs> I'm not God. And that's right, you're not. But Jesus came to earth and was fully human. And Jesus had a family, just like you've got a family. And Jesus understood family. And if you don't realize that, then what he's going to tell us, which I think will upset some people, you'll say, oh, he didn't mean that. He doesn't understand family. Look, it goes on. When his mother and his brother came, but they couldn't get to him because of the crowd. Now, let me stop. I, I ought to take time throughout this, and I won't. I'll mention a couple of times. 
I was with a pastor of a new start this week, and his, his sort of complaint was, man, it wears me out. And I had to, I probably spent 20 minutes talking to him and saying, you got to read about Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, after his life started impacting people, people were always coming up to him and saying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, can you do this? Jesus, what's your advice? Jesus, what do you think? They were always showing up. Somebody saying, I can't see. Somebody saying, I can't hear. Somebody says, my kid's sick. Somebody says, I need you at my house. Somebody says, will you come over here? Somebody says, hey, how about coming to a party? Somebody says, why can't you hang out with us? Somebody says, come here. Somebody says, would you do this? Somebody says, would you teach? Hey, how about coming and preaching? Somebody says, would you touch me? Somebody says, would you pray for me? So, you see, imagine... It's always happening. And so here is his mom and his brothers coming to him. And Jesus is so busy, his family can't get to him. And I want to say this when you read that. If you give yourself to serve Jesus the way he wants you to serve him, and that means loving like he loves people, loving people that way, and living like he's lived, giving yourself to God's purpose, your time will be occupied. We want to teach we want to take Jesus and make compartmentalize him. Some people have preached a great sermon that says life is a lot of bunch, like a bunch of drawers. They want to say men only do that. But let me tell you, I've not preached that such sermon because I think ladies that way. But we have a drawer here for how we drive the car, a drawer here for when we're going to cook, a drawer here when we're going to do our housework, a drawer here when we're going to paint the house, a drawer here when we're going to go to work, a drawer here when we're going to serve Jesus. See, he's a drawer. And some of us have done that. Listen, you know who you are. You know who you are because your activity, why you do what you do, tells who you are. Jesus can't see his mom. He can't see his brothers because he's busy. And if you serve God, you're going to be busy. Look, if you come to a community loving, it means you give up one or two hours. If you come next Saturday, you're going to give up from 9.30 probably until almost noon. You see, you cannot live in love like Jesus and not be busy. Most folks want the power of God in their life. Oh, God, I want you to touch my kids. Man, they're, they're having troubles. I want you to touch my marriage. Oh, God, please help. God, I want you to make my life better. Oh, God, I want your power. Most people want God's power, but you know what? They don't want the commitment of time. They don't want that. I want to do what I want to do. I want to do what I want to do. And we're seeing an example here. And that's why I tell you it's important to understand. Jesus had brothers, blood brothers, and blood sisters. And his brothers are trying to get to him. And his mother's trying to get to him. And they cannot. Often someone will say, Mike, I hate to bother you. You're so busy. Of course I am. And I'm not making an excuse. Look, I'm going to tell you this. If somebody learns, somebody learns... That you're willing to, give, willing to give free service when their car breaks down, your phone will never stop ringing. Is that true? I coached baseball when my children were growing up. Matter of fact, I was so busy. Laura, who knows nothing about sports, and she loves me so much, if I said I wanted to watch a ball game, she'll come and watch it with me. She knows nothing. She's... She's a 
She's a nail. When it comes to sports, there's no, nothing in her. Or at least that used to be. She's learned a lot. But I coached baseball with my little kids. And, and I taught my children how to hit a ball. I learned. I came from Kansas City whenever I was getting my theological training. And George Brett was there. I loved to watch George Brett. And I learned. I, I bought his book on hitting. I taught my son how to hit. And people would ask me, will you work with my son? People on my team that I coach would say, would you work a little bit more with my son? People on other teams. And I'd say this. I tell you, I'll do that. 8.30 Saturday morning, have a kid to park. Now, I want to ask you. These aren't high school kids. These are, these are grade school and junior high. What kid wants to get up at 8.30 Saturday morning and go to practice? Very few of them would ever show up. But you see, the ones that did told others, Michael, work with you. And I'm not a, listen, there's people here who know more about baseball than I'll ever know. But, but the thing is, they told others, and I was always getting asked. If you know how to sell something, if you know how to fix something, if you know how to do something, and you give it away free, it's going to occupy your time. And you see, Jesus gives his stuff away free. And if it's a power of God in your life, because so many people are just in turmoil in this world, they're always going to call you and say, can I get some time with you? Can we talk? Hey, what do you think about this? Will you pray with me? And that's what happens with Jesus. Some people who are trying to be mean to me will say, Mike, you're just inaccessible. And I try to explain. <laughs> that's because... So many people are wanting God to work. You've got to decide if it's in my life. Now, I'm not trying to compare me to Jesus. I'm just telling you, you give yourself, you give yourself to what God wants to live and love like Jesus. People are going to want you if what you have touches their life. If what you have just makes you a good person, they're going to say, oh, I don't want that. But if what you have can answer a problem with their husband or a problem with their wife, if what you have can help with a child, if what you have can help with some kind of compulsive behavior, if what you have can help them when life seems to be out of control, they're going to knock your door down. They're going to ring your phone all the time. And I'm not complaining about it. I'm just telling you. I learned a long time ago, and I try to tell that new church start young pastor, if you don't want that, then don't be praying for God's power to flow through you. Because when it does, you're going to be at work and people are going to come and say, can I talk to you? And that night, somebody's going to say, can I talk to you? And that's what's happened to Jesus. His own family had difficulty getting to him. Look, it goes on in verse 20. Someone told Jesus, hey, hey guy, your mother and your brothers are outside and they want to see you. Oh, well, that makes sense. Look what he says. This is where we read it quick. We say, I don't understand that. And then we just move on. Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are all those who hear God's word and obey it. Now this part's going to make some of you upset. I'm telling you, it will. Jesus' mother couldn't get an appointment on his calendar. 
Somebody said, hey, mom's out there. Oh, hey, everybody, you know what family's like. I'm sorry. And everybody said, we understand. Jesus says to that guy, I'm going to tell you, my mother, my brothers, my family are those who hear God's word and obeys it. That's what he's saying. He's trying to bring across a point here. That's what he's trying to do. When you help people, I'm going to tell you, sometimes you won't have as much family time. And none of us want to hear that. Because God created us and gave us blessing and we brought children into the world or we married somebody and we ought to be with them. I have a right to date night. I have a right to make my family first. Jesus is trying to get a point and we don't like this. Whenever I was going through my theological training, they said, remember this, the church is not hiring your wife. And remember, you don't need to work over 40 hours like they do at their job. And I have always had trouble with that. And I told that story to that young pastor. That new church start this week. I said, you've got to decide who you're going to listen to. All I know, the Bible says, teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom Christ gives. And so when you ask me a question, I'm often trying to think, is, did Jesus say something about this? Did, did Jesus do something that was sort of like what I'm getting asked? What, what he did or what he said is the wisdom I ought to give. And I'm going to tell you, you look at his life, his mom, his brothers want to see him. And when somebody asks him, he makes a point. He says, I'm going to tell you something. Let me get this straight with you. You want to know who are my family? My family are those who hear and listen to God. They obey him. That's my family. Is Jesus being rude to his family? Some of you are going to say, man, he's insensitive. No, he's not being rude. He's not being insensitive. And if I had time, I could talk about his relationship with Mary, his mama. But he's teaching us something. Look on your message map. Look at the next blank. Jesus' identity is God. So his activity in life is focused upon others getting to know God. That's what he's trying to bring across. Look at your first blank on your message map. It's not on the screen. You filled it in. The very first statement, from our identity is to come our activity in life. You wrote the word activity. That's all Jesus is trying to tell. Somebody come and say, hey, you know, you probably ought to interrupt what you're doing because you got mom out there wants to see you and your brothers. I mean, forget the brothers. But mom! And Jesus said, let me teach you something here. You want to know who my family are? My family are those who hear God, who listen to God. See, he's trying to teach them something. His identity is God. And so his activity always goes to where God's at, what God would want. See, some of you, listen, listen now. Listen, some of you, don't read on. You're not going to get anything else in there. I'm going I'm to give you a verse from Mark. I'm going to show you another verse. But you're not going to get anything else in Luke. You've got to see this. you either got to decide, Mike... You are wrong. Or Jesus, what are you trying to say? And here's what he's trying to say. His identity is God. Because of that, his activity is where God is using him to help people. Some of you, your identity is father and mother. Oh, man, I hate it when people buy campers, boats, or cabins. Now, that has nothing to do with father and mothers. Let me tell you, I hate it when people buy boats, campers, or cabins. Not because I don't like a cabin. Listen, one of my best friends, whenever I came to Illinois, me and there had a cabin. My family loved for me to be able to get that cabin. I'd pay anything. The man loved me. I like going there. I'd like just Laura and I going there. I'm telling you, I like that. that. That's cozy. Put that old big fireplace on. Nobody's there. That's intimate. Get what I mean? I like that. 
We thought about buying a camper. And I like to fish. We thought about buying a boat through my life. And you know what I come to understand? You know when people use their campers, their boats, and their cabins? On the Lord's Day. Well, hey, if you got money to buy, buy. Listen, identity, I have a boat. That's for my activity. Identity, I have a camper. That's my activity. Identity, I have a cabin. That's my activity. Look, now, some of you, your identity is mother and father. You know what you did? You struggled and said, God, we'd like to have a child. Please help us. Please help us. And God gave you a child. And you became mom and dad. And that's your identity. And you know what you did? You said to God, I'm sorry, God. My, my mom's God. She said, I ought to do this. Not what you might want. My, my doctor's God, not you. My doctor's own. You know what doctors are telling parents today? If you haven't had a kid for some years, they're telling parents, if you take your kid to church... Your kid could catch a disease and die. I want to ask you, anybody, don't, 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 don't say it. Just hold your hand up. Anybody know a kid who died because they caught a disease at a church? Listen now, see, you, you, it's just going to upset you. I'm just telling you. People get married. People get married. And they say, we got to get away. We got to build our relationship. And they take it away from God. And I'm going to tell you, they get divorced. God doesn't destroy marriage. And I will tell you this, God doesn't destroy families. Some people identify as mother and father. Now listen to me. And if, if you've ever talked to me, I want you to be responsible, make enough money. I want you to be able to write a $100 check for those tennis shoes when that 13 or 14-year-old needs to have them. I mean, come on, mom and dad, there's going to come a day, if you have two or three kids, you're going to write a $100 check every week for your kids. Not for each one, for one of them. So only have one. Then you can write one check one week, in two weeks you can write a check for you, and write a check for your wife or your husband, okay? Listen, listen. What I'm trying to say is you, your identity is father and mother. You're to be responsible, so your activity becomes you sacrifice for your kid. You become the taxi driver. You change your schedule. It burns you that your kids don't realize you try to do this and that to get to be where they are. You, you, you sacrifice your money. You give your kids your money. And then you get mad at your employer because he don't pay you enough. He gives you money and you give it to your kids. You sacrifice your time and your energy because that's your identity. But when it comes to God, you make an excuse. You do. You say, I'm sorry, God. My identity is mom and dad. Now let me get off of that. Some of us, our identity is our vocation. And I got to make a living. And believe me, you should be responsible in vocation. Matter of fact, I'm going to tell you my dream. Everybody who comes to Connection will be the best workers in their position, their company. If you're working for a fast food restaurant, there's nobody better. If you're working for GT or, or Continental, there's nobody better. If you're working for Good Sam's, there's nobody better. If you're working for Crossroads, there's nobody better. If you're pumping gas, there's nobody better. Be responsible. But you know what? Listen, some of us, our identity becomes our work, our vocation. And we will sacrifice. Listen, they call us. We will do that because everything we can receive is based upon what they think of us. And we will sacrifice for our work. But when it comes to God, well, you know, God, what do you expect? 
You see, some of us find our identity in, in family. Some of us find our identity in work. Some of us find our identity in pleasure. Listen, some of you guys know this. Some of you gals know it. When it's the first day of deer season, well, you can't even sleep the night before. I hunted deer. I know what this is like. Man, I shot ducks. I'm not putting it down. Do that. But listen. Some of you will give a tithe of your income for pleasure. A tithe of your income or more for pleasure. And when it comes to God, you say, I can't say, what's God expect? I can't sacrifice. You see, your identity is pleasure. Look, we don't like what he says. We don't like what he's showing us. Matter of fact, Jesus had this attitude with his family, and they couldn't understand it either. Look on the screen. You can see their attitude to Jesus. Mark 3, verse 20. It says, One time Jesus entered a house, and the crowds began to gather again. And soon his disciples couldn't even, look, couldn't even find time to eat. You know, sometimes... More than not, we're eating at 8 o'clock at night. I eat at 5 o'clock, folks. That's what my mom and dad did. Dad got off at 4. Mom got off at 3.30. Great woman. Dad got off at 4.30. We eat at 5. You better be home. I got spanked if I wasn't home at 5 sometimes. When I was little, that's the time we eat. That's what I'm used to. I'm thankful. Laura's folks, they like to eat later in the evening. And so she just goes along. Not, please, call me at five if you need me. I'll come and meet you unless she's serving me. Now listen, unless she's serving me. You didn't get that, did you? What I'm trying to say is, his brothers and sisters are looking at him. And his disciples and him can't even eat. You know we need to get away. I talked about restoration. Somebody's saying you can't always serve God. I grant you. I told that young pastor, you better find restoration. You know when your restoration comes? You walk with your wife. You know when your restoration comes? You've got to get in your car and you just got to drive around your community with your wife. You talk with her. You get restoration. You go to your kid's ball game. And don't you be looking at that phone all the time and texting. You get restoration. You see everything your kid's doing so you and your kid can get an ice cream cone or a pizza later. And you can get into him. Restoration comes also, listen, by not just thinking about me, you get restoration. You serve God without restoration, you'll burn up and you'll have an affair and you'll end up cheating and you'll become bad or you'll just get off the wagon of serving God. But Jesus not talking about restoration. So it says, he and his disciples couldn't even find time to eat. So look what the, verse 21, Mark wrote this. Mark didn't walk with Jesus. Mark got this from Peter. Human written records tells us where Mark got this. He got this from Peter. He got much of his information from Peter. When his family heard what was happening, he's working too hard. He doesn't have time for his family. They try to take him away. He's out of his mind, they said. And if you get it into Greek, they're saying he's crazy. Anybody who gives that much time to serve God is out of their mind. They're crazy. I remember, I almost told you his name. I don't want to tell you his name. 
Freshman high school says, I'm living in Missouri. Can I meet with you, Mike? I said, only time we can meet. Because, man, I'm working three jobs, going to seminary. I said, it's got to be at 7 o'clock in the morning. Because he, he played sports. He was on church council. He was so involved in school. He couldn't get needed. I said, it can only be 7 o'clock in the morning. I'll meet with you. And we'd meet 7 o'clock in the morning, one time a, a, a week. And Scott was so caught up with, with what God was doing. And he so wanted to serve God. And he was a popular kid. He was liked at his high school. And then one day... Some months later, his father calls me and says, Mike, can we talk? His dad's a deacon in the church that I'm in. And his dad tells me, I like everything you're doing with this God. We can see changes, but you know what? He's thinking about giving up some school activities because he thinks he needs to serve Jesus more. Here's what he said. Is it possible, without letting him know that I talked to you, that you could tell him you can't meet with him anymore? You see, that's what his Jesus' folks were saying. His brothers, they're trying to take him away. This is crazy. You give yourself to Jesus. I'm going to tell you, you give yourself. You learn about him. You learn to live like him. You love like him. The power of God will flow through you as it did to Peter, his disciple. The power of God will flow through you. And you know what? We need that power flowing through people who are teachers. We need that power flowing through people who are mechanics. We need that power flowing through people who are nurses and doctors. We need that power flowing through people who are in agriculture. We need that power flowing. But when it comes, I guarantee you, beside making your living, beside being with your family, you're going to be busy. That's why, listen, your pastor's always asking for more people to help. We're in a season, folks. We're in a season where there's a lot of hurt in this culture. You all know that. Some of those people have come in here, and I can't help them all. You can. Join along. But when you do, your family might say, you're crazy. You're out of your mind. Because when you start serving free... For God. His power will go through you. But people are going to demand. And you may have to say to, to family, listen, can't be tonight, we'll do it another time. You may have to say to your girlfriend, your boyfriend, I'm sorry, tonight I've got to do this. And that's tough. That's tough, I know. Look at your next blank on your message map. Jesus makes this an identity issue. That's what I want you to see. He is saying, I'm not going to meet with my family now because I have God's activity to do. That's all he's saying. He's not being rude to his family, okay? It's not that he doesn't love his family. He's simply making a point. It is just that he's committed to God's calling. My question is, are you? Listen to me. Okay, write that down because I want to say this. I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. You got that? Jesus makes this an identity issue, okay? Jesus is saying this. Family is not just by blood. But they're blood. They're blood family. Their blood relationship. He's saying this. Family is not just by blood. Family is by my blood. Not Mike's. Jesus's. That's the point he's trying to get across. He's trying to say this. Family is just not by birth. Family is by new birth. That's the point he's trying to make. Matter of fact, you get with, you get out of the traditional church. So some of them are saying this because it's being said so much in churches that are impacting their culture. And so traditional churches are starting to say that. But God has told us, you will live longer 
with your new birth family and your family through the blood of Jesus and you will your birth family and the family who you call blood family if they do not know Christ as Lord. You will live longer with your new birth family and the blood of Jesus family. Let me, let me say something here. If we were in theological training, when this is being taught, the professor would say, the New Testament con contains hard sayings of Jesus. By hard sayings, it means it's hard for just anybody to understand because it's telling us something we don't want to hear. Jesus said, you heard? Adultery's wrong. To look on a woman with lust is adultery. That's a hard saying. Jesus is saying, family is by your identity. If your identity isn't with Jesus, his family will not get any priority ever. And I don't know very often. I mean, I've missed a few reunions and things. I don't know very often that I've had to choose between God's family and my family. But my kids have grown up, and if I missed, used that practice, they would rebel against the church. And they're all involved in the churches. You see, it's a hard saying what he's saying. It's very hard. And if you don't honor it, listen, you've got to obey a son, daughter, husband, wife. You probably won't ever reach them. Because you know who teaches you to be the best wife? God. You know who teaches you to be the best husband? God. You know who teaches you to be the best son or daughter? God. You know who teaches you to be the best dad? God. You know who teaches you to be the best mom? God. But if you don't understand that relationship and that identity, you will give in every time. And what is not good for the family will be what will rule. Because you can be sure there's going to be somebody in your family that doesn't like Jesus. And they're going to tell you, you don't like them. And we could look at this, and that's what his mom and dad could say. Best thing some of, for some of us guys is for our sons to see rock solid. Jesus' family is our family. They'll grow up and they'll make his family his. Now, why is that important? I almost got up. Why is that important? Because we live in a day and age. Is family solid today? For many people, thank you. The young ones are saying no. You older folks didn't even respond. We're living in a day and age, listen, where young men and young women are growing up and they don't know their dad. They know who he is, but they don't know him. He either abandoned them by leaving them for another woman or leaving the house or he abandoned them and he still lives with them. We got kids today who have mothers who are so fit to be tied that they got to go and, and do something away from their kids to get a little freedom. And those kids don't know the mother God wants them to have. We are living in a day and age where people are becoming senior adults and they don't know family. And Jesus is telling us, you need to know family. 
And you need to know his family. Because you get to know Jesus' family, he will give you an example of a good dad. He will give you an example of a good father. He will give you an example of a good mate. He will give you an example of a good brother or a good sister. You see, because God changes people in his family. We must understand the importance of new birth family. If you don't, you're fighting an uphill battle. Look at the last blank on your message, man. Identity is to be determined. I mean, I'm sorry. Identity is to determine activity. Sometimes family wants to determine activity. If you're a Christian, your ultimate allegiance is to Jesus. Now look at it. It doesn't mean... You hate your family. The Bible says you are to honor your mother and father. Matter of fact, the Bible says this about we who are responsible to take care of our family. If you don't help your family, the Bible says, how can you help God's household? But you see, our allegiance is to Jesus. Let me give you an illustration. Now, I lived in that rebellion, married Laura, but God worked. He worked through some men in my life, and we got committed Remember, I tell the story, I went to church because my buddy asked me. I thought he told the pastor and the Sunday school teacher all about me because I sit in that class and I sit in that worship center and I'm thinking, Gary's told them all about me. They're talking about me. And God said to me, four rows back, 600 and some people in that worship. God said to me, no, Gary didn't tell anybody. He said this to me. He said, God said, I brought you to a place where I could use total strangers to speak to you because you don't even come to church, Mike. You're the only authority that listens to me. You're, you're, it's your authority. And you are always just giving in to yourself. And I use two total strangers to speak to you. And so we get excited. I mean, I, I go home. If Laura can remember this, and I think she does, I said, we're going to church every week. No more. I mean, I had to work. I was in the military and I was a policeman. I said, when I don't have to work, we're going to be in church. We're going to go to church on Sunday night when I have to work on the day. We're going to get in church. And God so began to use us that I, whenever I would go home on Sundays, now listen, I'm from a big family. My mama, good cook. And on Sundays, she cooked the fried chicken or the beef noodles. Wow! Mashed potatoes. She peeled them. A lot of butter. And you know what? My brothers, and I was a baby. I thought this was great. Sundays, Thursdays, my brothers and sisters would bring their families and our table would be full. 20 people. Man, easily. As my brother told his wife the first time he brought her home as his fiance. No, I think they were first married. He said to Beverly, he says, listen, when the plate goes by the first time, you better get what you want because there'll be nothing in it when it comes back the second time. But they'd come. And so here it is. Laura and I begin making going to church even when we go home a priority. I want to be an example to my mom and dad. And so finally, I felt I ought to say this. Now I'm going to tell you, I was not disrespectful. I said, Mom, I want you and Dad to go to church with Laura and I. I think we hadn't missed you, maybe John, by that time. So I want, I want you guys to go to church with us. And so I come home on Sundays. I'm not going to eat dinner here if you don't go to church with us. 
Oh, no, I said, I want to go to church. She said, I can't. You know, and she named my brother and says, they all come over for Sunday dinner. I said, then, I'm not going to eat dinner. Lauren, I'll go to a fast food restaurant. We'll buy something, and we'll come after that, and I'll visit with the family. Now, I wasn't going to make an issue with him. I said, come on, if making food for us keeps you away from God's house, I don't want to eat the food that keeps you away. It wasn't very many years before mom and dad are gone regular to church. It's not very many years that my dad started tithing. Blew me away. Read his Bible through. And I'm not saying I'm the only guy who impacted his life. You see, that's hard. That's a hard saying to do that. That was hard to say to the woman who loved me and sacrificed. I was a spoiled brat. Mom and dad loved me. But I wanted so much. I didn't know for sure that they were Christian. I wanted so much for me not to keep them away. And if they would come and visit us, my dad would never go to Sunday school. He may come into worship. I'd say, I'm going to Sunday school, Dad. And in time, he started going to Sunday school. Mom started going. You see, this is a hard saying. Sometimes your family wants your allegiance. And I'm going to tell you, my kids grew up hearing this. We will never make this legalistic. And so I'm not telling you to make it legalistic. If you are, you're just a mannequin to your people. There's no love of Jesus in you. So I'm not telling you to make it legalistic. But I'm telling you, Jesus makes a point here about family. And some of you aren't going to like it. And you're going to just say, I don't want any of what he's talking about. But why does he do that? Listen. Why does the second person of the Godhead leave what for all eternity was nothing but celebration with the Father, the first person Godhead, and the Holy Spirit, the third person of Godhead? Why does he step out of what is perfection and come into this world which is full of sin? He didn't create it with sin. But because people say, I'm going to do what I want to do, it is full of sin. And you know, you know it's full of sin because your life is in constant turmoil. Oh, you have good days, but how come, ladies, how come he just always is arguing with you? How come she just doesn't understand you guys? How come the kids are misbehaving? How come they're rude at work or in this world? Because it's full of sin. And you see... Here's what he did. He who created us stepped out of heaven and came to show us how much he loved us. And when he showed us that, he taught us some things. And our sinful selves want to say, but I don't want to do it that way. And he's trying so hard because you see, he's the creator. He, he, he knows how we function the best. He gives us the instruction book because He wants nothing but the best for us. Jesus said, in your mind, you will struggle when you hear my teaching. He says, I want you to know that the devil, his purpose, his purpose is to steal from you. The devil, his purpose is to kill things in your life. His purpose is to destroy 
what God intended. And Jesus said, but my purpose, my purpose is to give you, Mike Davis, whatever your name is, my purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. I will guarantee you, you let him bring that rich and satisfying life to you and your children will learn what they're going after. It doesn't remain rich and satisfying. And many of them, if it's not too late, or they're too stubborn, they'll slowly come back to that love of God that's in you. But you've got to decide, where's your identity? Because it's why you do what you do that defines who you are. Are you here because it's habit? Or are you here because He's Lord? You see, His name's Jesus. And Luke's trying to help us let Him walk in our midst and speak to us. Do we have a question, Colton? Let's, let's go with one. How do you serve others without estranging your family when they feel like Jesus' family did? What if it's your, what if it is, what if it's, what if it is your mate? Okay, understand. Some people you can never change their mind. Okay? But some people, if you will love with a sacrificial love, they'll change. I've said this before. I've had ladies say to me, my husband doesn't want me to come to Sunday school and church. Whenever I was in churches, I had Sunday school. My husband doesn't want me to be there. And I'd say, I want you to realize, your commitment to him, God wants you to honor. So you tell your husband, if he gets up on Sunday morning, he says, hey, I want to go for a picnic, you go for a picnic. You first say, I'd like to go to church if possible. If he says no, you, you go picnic. Now, when you go to picnic, don't you sit there with a frown on your face and don't you burn the chicken on purpose and put more vinegar in the deviled eggs than it's supposed to be there. You make the best chicken you can make. You fix those deviled eggs the best you could ever have them. And when you go on the picnic, you make him say, Boy, I like this. And then after the picnic... When you go home, thank him for the day and tell him. God has taught me to be a good wife. And I want to be the best one I can. If the next time you want to go on a picnic on a Sunday, if you could tell me ahead of time, I'd appreciate it. That way I can tell the people in my class I can't be there. This person was a teacher. I said, don't you feel bad saying you can't teach. You just call us ahead of time if you can't. Just tell your husband that. And the next time he wakes you up and he says, I don't want you to go to church. I want to have sex with you. You just say, can we wait until after church? I Really, because God helps me be a better wife. And if, she said, if he says no, don't you be bad in sex. You give the best sex you ever get. <laughs> Listen, I said that. I've said that to numbers of women. Because it's usually the women who have husbands that don't want to come. It's not very many men that are dragging their wives and kids to church. 
Ladies, I understand that. Please hear my sermon, how special you are a few weeks ago. Don't miss my sermon when the 12-year-old girl is going to be healed by Jesus. Girls are special. And then you tell them afterwards. Now, I'm, I'm late for church, and that's okay with me, because I enjoyed you. Is it okay if I go, and you just come late? If he says no, then say, okay. But if, we could, if you could let me know ahead of time, so I could just, let me call somebody. I know, that sounds funny. Just keep giving him authority. I'm telling you, I can think, I can, I can see these people. And all of a sudden, the lady's saying, man, my husband's saying, go to church. You know why? Because she's communicating that God has taught her how to be a good husband, or a good wife. She's communicating that through her acts, through her actions. She's not being better. Matter of fact, she never thought of it in that light. She thought, man, I just got to be the best wife I can. What does God want? What's your answer here? You let your mom and dad know they are priority until you marry somebody. Or until you move out of the house. You let your family know. I mean, if, 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 if it's family get-together, then you wash all the dishes and you serve all the food. And you let them all go in first line. And when somebody asks you why, you just say, because God says that's what family members are to do. You let the Holy Spirit teach them. Our problem is we try to be the Holy Spirit. We just don't say it. We try to write a book about it in somebody's mind. You just give yourself sacrificially. You'll have seven days a week to do that. But they'll probably want to push you out the door. Laura knows when I help people, she benefits. Because you can't talk to people about human problems. I have them too. Without it, God's Spirit saying, you know, Mike, maybe you need to do your own advice. Just give yourself as Jesus would want. And let him change your family. Let's bow together and we're done. Father, thank you for this time. Father, may your Holy Spirit speak in the way that you want him to speak. And may my words only be preparatory. May my words only be audible information. But God, may your Spirit speak. Father, we don't want to be church like church has been for now almost 200 years. We want it to be what it was in the book of Acts. We want to see people's lives changed. Have your spirit speak to us so that our families can be impacted because we know our identity in you. Father, help us not to have just spent this hour, hour and a half together and go away and it be gone. May your spirit help us to remember what it is that you've said to each one of us. May we be sensitive to continually hear what it is your Spirit is saying. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.